I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Mike Boris and this is Straight Talk. People think that I'm some, like, tough, heartless bitch. I'm deeply, deeply insecure. A lot of, like, self-hatred and criticism. A lot that I think people don't really see. Abby Chatfield! I feel like this 15 minutes of fame thing, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose it all. I never thought that I'd be able to do anything like this. Bachelor and Masked Singer, all these wild things. feel like I should take the opportunities. Why do you do it? I think that I was just trying to always be panicked, that I felt like I was productive or maybe worth something in a, in a strange way. Do you know what I really want to ask you? Sure, go for it. I really want to know. Abby Chatfield, welcome to Straight Talk. Now, we just were talking because, you know, you got a degree in property. Yes. Um, what's the degree called? The actual co- co- name of the degree? It's a Bachelor of Property Economics. It's a very property strange economics. thing so for me to have. So, a property, and you know, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you are uh, a property owner. We are just talking about owning a property in Bangalore, which mm. is the place you go and hide out. Oh, well, Bangalore is just, what, 15 minutes back from Byron. It's such a beautiful little town. I'm actually from the Gold Coast, Brisbane, originally. So when lockdown happened, I wanted to buy a place that I could be closer to mum, but in case borders closed again, I could still be back in Sydney. If that yep. makes yeah, sense? Yeah, I was yeah. paranoid. But was your address Queensland or New South Wales? New South Wales, but I grew up at the Gold Coast. But how did you get over the border? Because I remember during COVID, you couldn't get over the border if you had a New South Wales address. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't actually do it, but I meant more like in the future, oh, if right. borders close, I have a place that's close enough that I mum could come down in. Remember there was the border bubble yep. for a little while? Yep. I had hopes about and that. That included Bangalore, by the included way. Included Bangalore. Yep, so yep. I had hopes about it never actually materialised. But I had a friend that lived uh, around there and I was at their place a lot and loved it. And I wanted somewhere that was away from Sydney. But I was very silly. I bought this place um, over a Zoom auction without seeing it in person without finance approval. Oh, my God. I know. Um, I, Property <laughs> economics. They're 101. <laughs> Well, I had the deposit. I had a huge fat deposit. I knew I'd get approved and I saw it on the Monday and the auction was the Sunday. So it was in the works. My accountant is also a mortgage broker. So he was like, it'll be fine. And it was fine. Um, but it, there was a, it was touch and go there for a moment because I gave him my deposit over and I didn't have uh, the financial approval yet. But it, it all worked out. A lot of people I know go and hide out in Byron because, mm. you know, like their life is pretty um, hectic. How important is it for you to escape? And what are you escaping from? The noise? What the hell is it? Yeah, I mean, it's really important for me to go up there. Every year I since I've had it, so the past two summers, I've gone up for four to six weeks, going up for five this this time. And it's important for a few reasons. The main reason, honestly, is that 
it's close enough to my Brisbane friends, my family, that everyone's keen to come down still and I can see them in like a very chilled environment. So convenient. So convenient. Yeah, and also my friends from Sydney want to go up there. They don't want to go to Brisbane. They don't care about Brisbane. So I was like, I'll get a house that everyone is excited about. But I think as well, I live in I live in Bondi. It's very hectic. I love the beach a lot, but I need to – my place has very bad reception. So there's the up excuse there, that – yeah. So, which I'm very happy about. So it's the excuse for no one to speak to me because I feel like when I'm down here, um, everyone can kind of get at me. Like I can do extra podcast records, do voiceovers, do ads, um, quickly just run and go and do this thing. That There's a million things that add up because I have so many different um, income streams, so many different responsibilities and different people, different networks that I get. I feel like everyone wants me to do one thing that last, that's a second, you know, oh, it's take 10 minutes. But it fills up your entire day doing all this. So when I'm away, there's a clear boundary. It's more about the boundary of, okay, from December 10th, no one talked to me. Do, until, they, do your friends know it? Do, does business know it? Do your business colleagues yeah, know Yeah, my managers know it. Um, and I'll do things if it's really important, but I kind of put like a hard and fast boundary because I'm very bad with putting boundaries with work because everything overlaps so much with me. So it's important for me to... My managers are really good in putting that boundary in for me. And also, even if I was like, I'm bored, can I do some work? They'll say, no, you need to have a rest because I was, I think, I think I burnt myself out this year. So I've been, like, I feel like I'm crawling towards the finish line right now to get there. Yeah. Yeah, because it just, I mean, I haven't met you before, but just by listening to you speak now, um, you're high, you're a high energy person that requires yeah. a lot of revs and a lot of, a lot of carbs, a lot of, lot yeah. of everything. <laughs> I mean, that, but it requires a lot of revs. And I often wonder with people like yourself, um, do you go, just stop? Oh, it, I think it's just a stop. I mean, I, I try to recharge. I try to do a different hobby. I get so bored, although I love oiling the deck and gardening. Yeah. So I, like, have my, like, retirement fantasy, even though I'm 28. <laughs> Mum bought me a hoe last year for Christmas. It was a big, fun thing. I see my family. I see my friends. I try to not really go on my phone. I try to recharge, but it's it's difficult because – we're all still so connected to our phones. Yeah. I'm still panicking about everything. But yeah, I um I think I just I try to just sit and sleep in, not set alarms and do all those things because so much of my life is dictated by other people and their schedules and I have to fit into those schedules as well as my own and my dogs and my mum's and everyone around me. I mean, five weeks is a long time, six weeks is even longer. It's worse. Um for worse? Me, for, for, worse. for me, you know what I mean, for me, for me. Uh, but like do people like you suffer from boredom or do you um, indulge in busyness, and if you're oh. indulging in business, you're trying to run away from something. I mean, you're trying to make yourself yeah. so fucking busy you, that you're you're forgetting about something. You're skimming the shits. Yeah, look, you're actually right. I think that I use business to avoid my emotions. To be honest, I'm quite avoidant, and I'm in therapy about it because I just the start of this year, for example, I was filming. So I got back on January seventeenth from my my time away. I had my five-day-a-week radio show. I had my two-day-a-week podcast. I was getting ready to film F-Boy Island, which was my first big hosting gig, um, and that includes obviously doing, you know, what's like wardrobe pre-production. I was trying to be really involved in it because I really cared about it. Um, and then when we were filming, I was doing, you know, radio in the mornings, pre-recording it for the night time to go out. Then I'd go straight from finishing doing that in my Airbnb to be on set from about 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., also doing the socials. Also, I had a um, clothing brand at the time. And I think that I was just trying to always be panicked. So that I felt like I was productive or maybe 
worth something in a, in a strange way. That was a bit hectic. I'm v- sorry, Mark. I'm very open. No, 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 cool. It's good. So just take me through. Like, So most people don't understand that if you're doing a TV show, a lot of times they get filmed at the beginning of January so that they can be put up in, put up in May, June when it's mm. a busy period. So, um, but that means when everyone else is on holidays, you're, you're kicking off. Mm-hmm. So you're doing F-Boy straight up. Mm-hmm. What what is it a twelve week period? What were we talking about here? It was only three weeks. Three week three week production Super fast. period. Yeah. How many episodes does that get out? Ten episodes. Like you get mm-hmm. what? You get ten episodes in three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's mad. Yeah. It's, um, it's it was an episode a day. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so you got from the seventeenth of January through to some other date in February. You got three weeks. Yeah. Banging that out. In the at the same time, you're doing a podcast. Yep. You actually well, so so actually filming started in February. Yep. But the weeks before, then I was pre-recording half of the radio show, so there'd yep. be less to do during it, and pre-recording the podcast as much as I could. What else were you doing? You weren't and writing a book or something. What, what well, else? Well, I also do? had a live tour that was going to start the week after I got back from filming. So basically, it was called the Trauma Dump Tour, and I had I I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I just had a tour booked in, so I just sort of <laughs> winged it, and I spoke about my dating history, my very funny dating history via a PowerPoint. So I had to do all of that. My assistant at the time helped with that. So I've got finished filming and then had to write the show, a three-hour show by myself on stage talking shit. And then F-Boy Island started airing and then Mars Singer started filming the same week. And then we finished Mars Singer in July, F-Boy Island. That was, I'm also in the socials for that. And then in July, I quit radio. You quit radio this year? Yep. Yeah, but you prior to that, though, you were doing a radio show with yeah. five days a week. <laughs> yeah, so this is my, the chaos. Well, it's just not not only chaos, so um, it, it sort of would be a bit chaotic. But do you sleep at night? Um, only since I've had my medication for my ADHD. But I, I, uh, I'm also renovating my apartment as well. Side note: in in, in Bondo. In Bondo, so that can be a real punish. Yeah, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, um, but yeah, I sleep. I sleep well. I just, I think that I I wake up in a stressed way. If that makes sense, I go to sleep easily, but I'll wake up at five thirty, like. <gasps> You know, like, oh, my God, I've got so many things to do. Do you wake up with a headache? I get migraines. Do you? And they've gotten much worse lately. So I don't often wake up with a headache, but throughout the day, if something's happening, it feels like my – I was went to hospital for a migraine recently and a kidney infection two weeks after that. So my body's kind of shutting down after so, the so night. So how old are you? 28. 28. Do you get worried about the, the pace? Yeah, yeah. I, I get worried about the pace. I get worried about um, – Carrie Bickmore said to me, I was speaking to her about it when I was really stressed. I saw her at some event and she said to me that I need to make sure that I don't do everything that I want to do so quickly because I'll get bored and I'll burn myself out and what's the point of doing all of it in three years when I could take my time and, and kind of grow and actually enjoy it. So I do get worried about burning myself out. I went to a Thai retreat for five days in July where I was meant to have no one talk to me. It kind of worked. I got my blood's done. It was like a health retreat, like a medical retreat. Um, and everything seemed to be fine, but I am really worried about my body because, I, like I said, I had a kidney infection directly after quitting radio, migraines. Um, I've been really ill, really tired, really burnt out. I feel like I'm like barely holding on, to be honest, which is insane because right now I'm not doing much. Oops. This is the biggest thing in my day. So why am I so stressed? Why do you do it? I think... There's a few reasons. I think the biggest reason is that I came from a corporate background. I never thought that I'd be able to do anything like this. Um, I kind of accidentally got this platform, obviously from The Bachelor, and 
it was all just kind of like whirlwindy. And when you get thrown opportunities that you never thought you'd be even, even able to, you know, do a photo shoot, let alone host a TV show or be on The Masked Singer, or all these wild things, I think I just feel like I should take the opportunities that I'm given but that backfires because I can't say no to anything because I'm like, well, it's fun. It'll be fun and it is fun. I'm sure you know, you're like, it is fun when you're doing it, but you're exhausted and, and, it's, and all of your energy is given to other people. I think I do it because of that reason. I think I do it because um, I feel like this 15 minutes of fame thing, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it all. So I should earn as much money as I can, put it away, invest it, and then I'll be okay and give some to mum and sister or whatever. I think that it's also that I probably am a little bit, yeah, I, I think it's ADHD as well, multitasking, but I think it's also that I get a lot of validation from work and I always have. Like I had three jobs in grade 12 to like keep things going and, you know, uh, and I've always worked really hard. So I have a kind of an addiction to working. So here you are working in a corporate environment mm -hmm. in your early 20s. Paint me through how you got cast to be on The Bachelor. I mean, how did that happen? Do you put your name up or did someone dare you or how's it all work? <laughs> well, I thought it was so silly. I, I was dating this guy from Scotland. He moved to Australia. It didn't work out. It was nothing dramatic, just whatever. Whoops, that was a holiday romance. Made a mistake. He moved to Australia now. Um, we broke up and then my housemate was like, oh, it would be so funny if you got on The Bachelor. So we kind of jokingly applied. The both of you? Yeah, both of us applied. And then um, rehearse, uh, not rehearsals, uh, auditions were the next day. For some weird reason, I got a call up and the next day I checked a sickie at work in my corporate job and went in. What, and, what's your audition like? Well, what do you do? Oh, okay. So, like, it was at a hotel. I think it's different now because it's all via Zoom now because right. of COVID. This is the last in-person audition that I know of from The Bachelor. They could have changed now. Um, you go to a hotel, you go to, like, a conference room, you get put into groups and you go in and it's kind of like first day of high school or first day of uni, uh, get to know each other things, like... Um, they'll play a song and be like, this group dance in, in in a contemporary way, this group dance in a hip-hop way or whatever, and they'll make cringe. you... Cringe. Yeah, it's a bit cringe. It's a bit cringe. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, God, Jesus Christ. Like, I wish I well, what is that going to tell anyone about you? I guess I guess how into it you are and how outgoing you are. Well, if you've got a big personality. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then uh, they, the question I think that, I don't know, made them... They asked me what I what I change about myself. At like the first question, they're like, "What would you change about yourself?" And I was like, "Oh, my hoofs, like my feet, like they really like." Really What's wrong with them? No, they're really bad. That's why I'm covering them up with an attention-seeking croc. Look how hoofy they are. They look like they look pretty good. Look okay. No, you have look? to say that because now I've said they're ugly. No, if no, you no said, wait a minute. Oh, they're, yeah, they're too yeah. long or something, or what's what's the deal? <laughs> no, they're just like they just. My best friend gets physically sick when she sees them. They look like a man's feet. <gasps> A little bit. I mean, sorry. They do. We got, yeah, No, look. but that just means you can run and you're, you're, you're uh, you know, stable. It is shush. <laughs> I don't know. I'm great at yoga. I'm great at yeah, yoga. No, I bet you are. Great, I'm great at balancing. Can you run? Uh, um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I can run for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the weight's getting distributed on my man. Sorry, let's go back to the audition. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> so I was saying that I would change my feet. Yeah. Um, and it was like a silly answer. I think I was just silly. And then they'd make you do... Um, line up in guessing oldest to youngest and, and then uh, you have a second audition uh, that night, you stay back. And then six weeks later, I was in the mansion. Like it was very chaotic. And I, I got leave from work, unpaid leave from my job in property. Um, and yeah, then I was there for the full three months without talking to anyone. So did you ever think to yourself, um, okay, 
here we go. Like um, I can build my, I can build a following, I can build social media, I can somehow leverage this or monetize this 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 opportunity. Or do you just think uh, it's just a bit of a fun thing? I'll just go and do it. What, I, I just thought it was silly. I thought it was a funny. I've always do things like for the story. I was like, the girls will find this funny. So yeah. I did it because I thought it was silly. I also was very. I had an on and off boyfriend that continued only until like last year, like ten years. Um, that I was like a ten year on and off. Yeah, I Good know, one. but it's off now. It's fully. It's been fully off for six months now. Proud of myself. Or more than that, maybe almost a year. Um, but yeah, I think I was like trying to get away from him, and he told me to go, and then. Yeah, I just thought it was silly. And then when I got back, I quit my nine to five with the people that I hated and I had to get a different nine to five because I was so, I'd just been, I was just getting trolled and I was so mentally damaged from the whole experience. I got a really easy job just doing admin rather than being an analyst because I was like, I just want to get to work and earn enough money. And I worked in property for the next six months until I did Bachelor in Paradise. So I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, all right, well, that was silly. Um... And at the time, there wasn't this huge money on socials now. There was money, but it wasn't like it is now. Yeah, you so, wouldn't be able to see forward either at that time. I mean, you wouldn't have known. Yeah, totally. So I was like, I, I thought I'd go on and go for one night and get a little, get an address and go home. But yeah, all this has come from it, so, so it's crazy. So, so, Abby, did you know, or did anyone advise you? Probably not, because you, I guess, sound like a bit naive mm. at the time. But did anyone ever say to you, okay, Abby Chatfield, let me just tell you something. Um, in this show... The way we run these shows is we pick heroes and villains, and we're gonna <laughs> and you we'll cast you one way or the other. You, and if you're in the middle, you're only gonna last a couple of weeks or a couple of episodes, and you're gonna be out, which is no point doing because that's a waste <laughs> of fucking time. So you're either gonna be one or the other. Yeah. But the the heroes always win, mm. and the villains, um, you know, get dragged along a little bit. Mm-hmm. So did anyone tell you that? Because you were a bit of a villain, or you were cast as well, a bit I was, of a villain. I was a villain, but I was just horny and young. Like yeah, when you yeah, actually yeah. watch the show, I didn't do anything mean. I don't mean any bad villain. But, no, I know. But just villain, you know but what it, I mean? Yeah, it was interesting. Like the, the the backlash was really strange. I was actually spoken to the producers about it because I'm obviously now on TV and I know a lot of the crew and I don't blame them at all. But we've spoken about it and one of them who was in post said, I didn't even think there'd be like that bad of a backlash. I thought it was like, oh, like she's horny and silly and she's humping him on a beach and ha ha ha, she wants to kiss him. But like the backlash from conservative Australia was wild. Like I'd watch it with my friends, my girlfriends and I'd be like, that wasn't bad. And then we'd look on Twitter and it was like, like I don't know, like paragraph long death threats about like how they're going to kill me. Like, Serious? Yeah. Because I'd humped him on a beach and I said, I want to have sex with him in the water. And I was like, you guys try kissing someone for three months and having sex with them. Get a grip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you guys try, okay? We produce around you all the time. So, um, yeah, I didn't know that I was going to be a villain. I thought I was going to be a sook because I cried every day that I was there. It was actually really bad. I was like when the girls were being really awful, I would take a sleeping pill every night to go to sleep and to sleep as long as I could before filming and then we'd get up and just sit there and just want it to be over and just want to be with Matt. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know that I was going to be a villain. But there were there was a time where they wanted me to start a fight with someone um, to talk about it, and every party they would make me do it, and I was like, I actually just want to go to sleep. Like I actually want to do this anymore. I don't care about this. I don't care about these people. I don't know them. They're strangers. I want to go home. I want to go to sleep. And um, they kept trying to do like production tactics, being like, oh, but you know, we think it's important. And I was just like, listen, if I go and talk to her, can I go to bed? They're like, yeah. And I was like, great, okay, I'll go and sit and let her talk to me and let her yell at me. So, like, it was that kind of, I wasn't silly. Like, I was like, I know that we're making a TV show here. If you want good TV, I'll go and sit and I'll let her yell at me for 
because that's sort of like one of the things they're trying to do when they're trying to cast the cast the you know build the cast. They're, mm. they're looking who's going to give you good in, um, energy, who's going to make it interesting, um, who might do a bit of crazy shit, mm. um, who can not not necessarily cast a villain in terms of being a bad person, but I mean, um, let the audience decide who they want to like and who they don't want to like. So some of the audience decided they didn't like some of your antics. Uh, mm. Would you would you say Australians are fairly judgmental because you mentioned the word conservative and conservative can be judgmental. Yeah, I think that I think there's like a, quite a big divide. I, I I think that either we're really, really progressive and really like do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Like, like very silly laid back. But I think there is a huge portion that are very judgmental. And I think it also obviously leans into tall poppy syndrome and people thinking that um, I think a huge thing as well in my whole career has been people thinking that I'm some master manipulator that's gotten this career. Like, and if I was good on me, but I've kind of just fallen into all of these all these roles, and I've been kind of told that I'm, yeah, some master strategic. Manip- yes, yeah, strategic. Which so you don't think you are? I think I am now. I think like this year I yeah. am. Like I think I, I've understood the industry more, but everything's just been so like. Like I started the podcast because I had nothing else to do in lockdown. So I recorded it myself on my living room floor drinking red wine thinking that it was silly. Like I didn't start the podcast thinking like this is going to be money maker. Like I didn't think I'd make money from it. So I kind of was quite naive about the whole industry. So I think that I think Australia is can be very judgmental. But I think that we pick our, like you said before, like heroes and villains, but in society as a whole. And it's very hard to change people's perception on people. Like I'm sure you've noticed in Australian media, there's like 15 people that get the jobs for every single thing. And once you're in that kind of click, it's very hard to take them out of it. Similarly, once you get like a mark against your name, it's hard to people to want to work with you again. So I think we are judgmental, but I think as well we're very like loyal as a whole. Yeah, so because there is a bit of a divide mm-hmm. um, and it seems as though the ones who are judging against you can be the most noisy people. They tend to be mm. the ones that make the most noise. And you mentioned, I think it was Twitter. Um, mm. You said they come out after you on Twitter. What is your response when you see something like that? Like if you see someone coming after you, um, like I remember when Twitter first started up, mm-hmm. many, many, many years ago, been a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember some guy from Perth had a crack at me about something or other. And I was so incensed about it. This is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was being an idiot, but I was so incensed about it. I invited the guy to stay where he was, give me his address, I'll fly over and see him. And, uh, and I, because this is the early days, you know, yeah. like really early days. And yeah. I, these days, I mean, I wouldn't keep, couldn't give a shit. Yeah. And, but wrong reaction, to be honest with you. Just a waste of energy from my point of view. Why did you start to react? How did you deal with these, let's call them the trolls? Yeah. How did you deal with them? Well, during, it's, it's interesting because obviously I still get trolled. I mean, I think I uploaded something yesterday morning laughing at someone just saying, you're shit. It's like, okay, cool, dude. Silly. But at the time, initially, yeah, it was really hard. Like you said, when it first happens, you have this reaction where you're like, this is so unjust. Like, what do you it's mean? It's unfair. It's unfair. And, and you think like, even if I was, even if I was, you know, such a bitch, these girls on the show, like, I'm not killing someone. I act like I was killing their firstborn on TV just because I like made out with him aggressively. Like, grow up but I think that initially my friends were really a really big support because they would take my phone and they would like delete any mean dms and then give it back to me like when we watch the show so that that was a great support so I kind of was sheltered from it 
But it was really hard. Like I got, I definitely had like was suicidal because it was oh, really, re- yeah, it was relentless. It was like as an actually suicidal, like like I was like I I wasn't getting out of bed. My mum was really worried about me. I was living with her because I ended my lease to go on the show, and I came back and I was I wasn't strong enough to live alone really afterwards, um, for a little while. So living with mum still, and mum, I'd move back to mum's, and mum was so worried about me, and she would. Um, she told me later on that she'd come and check on that I was still breathing when I was asleep because she was scared that I was, because I was just crying all day. I just wasn't getting out of bed. It, I, would, I would go to work and my boss would put me in an office so I could cry while I was working because I was just, every I'd, every news, uh, my magazine articles just like blatantly lying about me, saying that I had a love child from him, saying that I, like, saying that I, like putting false quotes out and no one caring. Um the the Instagram DMs with like direct death threats, um, like as in I'm gonna kill you, like I'm gonna come and strangle you, and no. I and I, like I still I've got them even um, two years ago when I bought my house and my dress got leaked, even with the postcode in it. I went, I need to put the postcode in the death threat, but um, the cops can't do anything. I also was getting followed paparazzi, which was very strange because I had a nine to five. I'd walk from the train station to my work and have some man following me with a camera or chasing me around, just, just speeding and driving. I had one pap, you know, a few months into being anyone, try to get in my car. Like I'm Britney Spears. I'm like, it's fine. Like I'm just to go on The Bachelor. Like it's not that exciting. So it was all very, it was very stressful and I felt like everyone hated me. I go to work and not wear makeup and straighten my hair because I have obviously very curly hair. I would turn on the radio, remember, she's apologised for it now, but Abby from Abby Stab and Matt um, was interviewing Matt. I was in a cab and there was an interview about how all of Australia would hate him if he chose me because I'm so disgusting and because I'm such an awful person. I'm on the way to work, my corporate outfit being like. So it was like, it was everywhere I turned because Bachelor was much bigger then. Yeah, yeah. And um, more ubiquitous, you know, and it was just very, it was really hard to, um, feel like everyone hated me. So the only thing that helped was being with my friends in real life who, A, were like, this is so weird, you're getting trolled, like what's going on, um, and would have little watching parties with me for every single episode because they were worried about me. Did you watch it back? Yeah, because I had to to do interviews about it. Oh, yeah. So I had to watch it back to see what was edited, to see what was Frankenbitten, which is, for anyone listening, it's um when you get like words, singular words or parts of words and create sentences. Um, so I had to figure out how to defend myself. So yeah, it was pretty awful. Um, but as time went on, I cared less and less, particularly when I was steadfast in my views about things. And when I could speak back as well and speak about the editing and speak about, regardless of the editing, the strange perception that I was this evil person because I said that I wanted to have sex with him, someone that I was dating for three months. Um, and then... Yeah, anti-vaxxers and then all the other things that I'm like, I'm, I'm very steadfast in my views and I've become Anti-vaxxers? Yeah, because I was very pro-vaccine. I come from a family of doctors and dentists and teachers. So we're very like pro-medicine and I was very pro-vaccine. Um, uh, I even, yeah, I, I did a whole series where I got doctors and nurses to dispel rumours about the vaccine. I was like very hectically, nothing else to do in lockdown. Um, and I would go on my stories every day and yell about it. So the anti-vaxxers... Then that started a whole new wave of death threats, but I didn't really mind. If you're on Bangalore, that way, that, that that's like the um, yeah, the the heaven. If I mean, if I was a cynical person, I might say, "Well, Abby, maybe you are strategic and um, smarter than you want to make out, and um, you're not very not really tactical. We probably are tactical, but you're really strategic in that 
it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if 50% of the people hate you and 50% of the people love you. 50% of the people who love you is a pretty big number of, the, of the base, of the denominator. Mm. And uh, and off the back of that, you can commercialise something. And no doubt you, you have mm. commercialised, whether it's knowingly or not. Mm. But what would you say to someone like me who might make that, <laughs> uh, give that view of you, that you are strategic? Like, for example, picking... I believe in it. In other words, I believe in vaccination. Mm. Yeah, I understand the part. I don't mean that you lied. Mm. But picking that topic to take public during a period where it's very controversial, mm. that might seem to be strategic to somebody. Well, the thing is with that is, again, I grew up in a family of dentists and doctors and teachers where anyone that was an anti-vaxxer of any kind was a bloody idiot and we'd have family discussions about it from when I was five years old going, the bloody idiots and bloody mullen bimby bloody not having their bloody fucking vaccines. Fuck it. So, like, my family are very politically aggressive. We've all I've always grown up having very vocalized political views Prosecute from when I was their a, views. Yes, and like I've I've never had a conversation at a Christmas it's like how's work? It's always like what do you bloody think about fucking Trump? Fuck. Like it's like always like us yelling together in a harmonious yell. So I think that I've always been naturally vocal, so it's not that big of a deal for me to go on my stories. It's more that like I acknowledge the positive outcomes of that, but I was a genuinely I I I I'm very much like a fighter back. Like I will I will vocalize my views, and I think there were so many fallacies and so many things that were so clearly wrong. Like even the five five G chip, and then also the anti semitism that came with it, and all this weird kind of QAnon niche stuff that I'm really interested in. I kind of wanted to talk about it and I was living alone so no one else to fucking talk to except for my stories. Um, I also self- very selfishly wanted to get the fuck out of lockdown and it was that period where it was like if we get to 80% vaccination we can all leave our houses and I was like get fucking vaccinated. But I, I, I do acknowledge that it was it was a positive step for my career. I think that it, um, I think I got like 100,000 followers from that period. Um but it definitely wasn't motivated by that. A lot of my stuff is just motivated by me seeing something, being incensed about it, and then going on rants. Like when I look for podcast content, I just look for something to make me angry and then I'll like save it and then I'll come back and watch it again before on the way to the podcast and then yell about it. So it's more like a void to yell in. My sense is in talking to you is that uh, you've been brought up in an environment with a family where you prosecute views mm. and you don't give a shit with offends anyone because your family you just don't get offended because everybody's prosecuting the views, so it's okay. Yeah, therefore, you, therefore you think that I can do this in the broader community, the broader the broader public, but people are much more sensitive outside of family. So like, my family's the same. Like you can say oh, really? what you like. Yeah, well, I got four sons. Everybody says what they like, and it doesn't yeah. really matter whether someone is a bit uh, soft or sensitive about it. Or, but equally, we've all started to learn is that out externally. Mm. Um, you can't be like that with everybody else. I mean, is that something you're starting to come to terms with or do you think it doesn't matter? Just say what you fucking like. I think it doesn't matter. I think I should just say whatever the fuck I like. Yeah. And I think that as well, a huge, um, I guess the, uh, I guess if the, if you call this a strategy, when I was in The Bachelor, I felt like everyone was looking for a reason to fucking hate me. And I felt like maybe if I had all these skeletons in my closet about my views or about how I felt or about what I'd done, like I had an abortion or things like that. If these, if all these skeletons were in my closet, I had something to lose or something to risk. So I guess this, my strategy is more so being like, all right, well, this is who I am and this is how I feel and this is what I'm going to fucking say and here's why and here's my explanation, bleh, post done. Because then I feel like no one can hold anything over me. So I guess 
So in other words, take control of it. Yes, take control of the of the narrative. And Write think, the narrative. Yeah, and that's a huge privilege that I have being in the public eye in this era rather than, you know, in the early 2000s with tabloids would just say whatever they wanted and that's and how everyone got their, their, um, in, their information about people. Now I can go through Daily Mail articles that are completely fucking false and, like, laugh about them on my stories. I mean, that's not to say that I don't go, oh, that would be great, great content. Like, I'm not naive to that. Um, and But I think the main motivation, honestly, is just me, like, needing to, like, word vomit which sounds like bullshit. I can see your face. No, it doesn't sound like bullshit. It sounds, no, it's not. It doesn't sound like <laughs> bullshit. But, but but equally, it's you're a young person, and over time, I mean, I've been through the process. You, you mellow. You sort of it doesn't become that fucking intensely important over time. Yeah. But it seems like it's intensely important to you at the moment. Well, I think that it's becoming less. Yeah. Like in the past year or two, I've been a bit less. Like it used to be every single thing that I saw that upset me, I'd post about it and rant about it and did it. But now I've realised that, yeah, I've, I've kind of mellowed in your words, where, which is surprising because I'm still very intense. But I think that I've kind of gotten to like picking my battles and things that I can really understand and I can have the time to to research to a decent degree and understand different perspectives. And I've also kind of tried to be more open to um, even platforming views that aren't the same as mine so that I can kind of challenge myself and, and sharpen that part of me. So does that have an effect on your relationships? Because um, sometimes someone who sort of um, prosecutes everything and uh, is fully intense mm. can be a bit of a punish, I mean, to the other side, if they're not the same. Or if they are the same, it can be a, it can be like a murder scene pretty much. <laughs> but if but if they're not the same, if they're chilled, like how, how do you go about uh, in relationships, like, how do you do? You look for someone who's the opposite to you, or do you look for someone who's the same so you can be equally stimulated? I mean, what do you what do you oh. what do you chase after? See, I kind of alternate. I swing. I pinch. I'm single right now, but I swing back and forth. I'm either with something someone as intense as me, yeah, da, 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 and then like you said, it's a bloody murder scene, and then I swing back, and then I'm bored as batshit because someone's not challenging me. What about but- in between? Oh, I haven't found that. I haven't but found would the you look for that? I mean, yeah. So would you? Would you like? Would you have a list? You say, okay, uh, perhaps it's got to be a, I don't know, just pick a pick, medical professional. Yeah. But but you know, someone who writes a lot of papers, does a lot of research, and is researching important stuff. Yeah. Uh, a. Yeah. Uh, uh, doesn't want kids. You know, have you yeah. have you sort of done your uh, application form? Uh, build out who applies. No, because I didn't want kids until like six months ago, when suddenly my hormones decided that now all I want is a baby. I don't yeah. know what is going on. <laughs> Well, so that's I called hormones. Trust, I can't trust myself. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Yeah, but you can build a five-year plan. You can sort of have a five-year application form so and put it out there sort of thing. I, I don't could, mean it literally, I? but but like, uh, you know, uh, athletic, uh, chilled but not chilled, but, you know, has views, yeah. et cetera, knows who I am, yeah. uh, respects me for what I am. Yeah. You know, do you, do you have that sort of sort of checklist? Because I people I know who have been like you in my past mm. um, tend to have checklists and they then they ch- they change the checklist every couple of years. And by the way, some people say you're erratic if you change your checklist. But other people will say to you, "No, no, you're just evolving." Yeah, I don't think I have a checklist. I think I should get a checklist though, because I don't really know. Yeah, what- maybe you just but, but yeah, you can not, not lay it down a little bit. I know, but I can't meet anyone. This is the issue though with dating. Side note is I can't meet anyone because I'm banned from all dating apps. Are you really? People think that I'm fake. So they report banned? me. Yeah, they report me and I'm permanently banned from all dating apps. No, tell me about that. Yes, no, no, 
Because <laughs> when I first got off the show, I was like, well, now that my contract's over, I can date people. Went on to download Hinge and then it immediately deleted my account because no. it looked like it was a fake account. So Hinge, like all of them, Raya haven't accepted me yet. So now I have to meet people the organic way at the Logies. Old school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. How'd you go? <laughs> not well. Well, went there's another one coming up. Is, is it one this year? Has it been, has it been, has it's been done? Been this year. I went yep. home at 9.30, was bored oh and sober. Well, I was with Husey and Chrissy Swan who don't yeah. drink, so we were all just like a bit tired. Um, the actors are next year, fingers crossed. Who knows? But like, I'm just like, it's hard for me to have a criteria when I'm like, who is there to date? So do you, do you miss not dating somebody? Yeah, I'm always like seeing someone, but I, I feel like I, it's, yeah, it's hard for me to find someone who like understands what I do for work and respects it and acknowledges that it's a real job. I've dated guys before that they're friends at parties. They've gone, what do you do for work? And I'll just go, oh, I've got a podcast just because it's the easiest thing to say. I'm not going to go, um, I'm a teacher. I'm not going to be Wayne Carter. So I just go, oh, I've got a podcast. And one of them said to me, um, that's a hobby, not a job. And I was like, oh, okay. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. More than um, you did uh, in the year last quarter, uh, but <laughs> so like okay, you wanker. But so like it's hard for me to be with someone who isn't in the industry because their friends are like, she sucks. And then if someone is in the industry, they're all a bit batshit. Yeah, but so am I. Which, which is probably what everybody is because that, that is a pretty it's a pretty frenetic industry. Yeah, entertainment's crazy. I know, and everyone's. And they're the ones who I'm attracted to, people that have personalities and they're big and they're out there and they're, you know, they're like fiery and electric. And then, yeah, it comes down to it and it's all, it's all a bit hard. So tell me about your podcast. Uh, what's, it's what's a the lot. Pod- yeah, yeah, what, what's, a, what's a story? Tell me, tell, tell me the theme of it. What's the thematic? Um, well, it's, this is the issue. It's not really a theme, but I just won podcast host of the year at the Acres, if you were wondering. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's very, um, the original concept was to just basically take my conversations with my girlfriends. Yep. And we have a real wine about politics or whatever we're feeling that week, relationships, sex, whatever, and just chuck it into a podcast. And it's kind of evolved over the past three or four years. Um, and now it's got interview podcasts. It's more like chats with people. I don't like talking to them about their work. So you bring guests in. Yeah, yeah, bring guests in every second every second week. Every other week is a solo episode where I just rant about things that I hate. Um, see, the passion goes into there. And it's, um, yeah, I don't really know what the theme is. I don't know why people listen to it, but they do. And it's great for me because I can just get all my energy out on a Monday and then I go, great, no one at home has to deal with me now. It's just like therapy for you. It's like therapy. And I have amazing producers and I'm like, they just bounce things off me and it's it's 
it's actually the best. It's more like I forget that it goes anywhere. You yeah, know? it's funny. There used to be a really a really good comedian way before your time. His, his name was Rodney Rude, mm-hmm. and he used to have this uh, skit, and it was about it was called "Do You Know What I Hate," and uh, but it was actually very rele- relevant because people actually love to talk about what they fucking hate. Yes, it's I, I like people get people are obsessed with me getting angry. I love it because I love getting angry. Do you actually get angry or frustrated? Anger in a sense that you want to yeah. throttle someone or you're just frustrated with No. Well, anger actually is an emotion that I've had to try and learn to tap into in therapy because I used to pretend that I had no anger and I would just shut down and, like, in fights with partners, just be like, Ooh, and, like, stand there still, like, staring blankly at them dissociate. So I've had to try and tap into that. So it's more frustrated or it's more like, I don't know, it's kind of how my family have always communicated, like, oh, fucking it. Like, it's all very... It's almost like a like a silly show. It's like, it's like fun to hate something. It's fun to get angry about something. It's fun to say that um, they shouldn't fucking build fucking more fucking you know apartment somewhere because it's a waste of money. Like it's it's fun to get angry about things, or that I hate grey houses, or I hate white kitchens, or I hate so, I don't really hate them. So if someone goes to your place, your family's place on Christmas Day, and I don't want to bag your family because I don't even know them, but it's like, so much fun. Would it be overwhelming? Would someone? Well, I bring up- a different person every year. <laughs> They could ask the poll the people. I mean, they tend to have a lot of fun. Like it's, it's um, it's we have a bit of political chat. We have a bit of laughing at me and my silly things I've done this year. You know, it's um, it's mainly fun and silly. You know, everyone's very loud. I I only have I have a single mum, so it's only my mum's side. Um, I don't think it's overwhelming. Everyone's had a good time when they've come. To be honest, and is are you a drinker? No, not really. No, no. So you don't need drinks. I can see you're, you're energized here. To, I mean, unless you had something before you came in, but oh no, I actually forgot my medication today. That's why I'm. You forgot? Yeah, that's why I'm oh, here. Oh god. So yeah. like, what is what? What's the medication you take? ADHD medication? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. amphetamine to calm yeah, me down. Yeah, just a yeah, which is sort of uh, intuitively uh, the opposite of what I would think it would do. Um, mm. um, Dexies would actually make you would expect Dexie to push up. It yeah. actually makes you focused mm-hmm. because you ha- otherwise you're going to be scatterbrained. Yes, otherwise I'm a bit... You're looking at everything. Th- 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're being medically diagnosed as ADHD. Yeah. Like by a psychiatrist because that's the only place you can get the Dexies from. Yes. Yeah. Six-month wait list. Yeah. Because I had uh, Emma Rossiano on here and um, on the same show and uh, Emma was like really honest about how it made her and you're speaking very similar to her. Mm. I mean, I mean the speed at which you speak. Yeah. And I've one of the things I've noted about successful people is they tend to speak at speed. Really? I've got a lot of successful mates, blokes mostly, mm. well, all blokes actually, the ones I'm talking about, who, who speak at speed and are absolutely obsessed with their topic, whatever the topic might be. Mm. In your case, you seem like you can get, not obsessed, it seems obsessed, but just really passionate about it. Yeah, it's a hyperfixation. You yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. I get hyperfixated on things. So then really you're, that's a medical term though, is it? Yeah, yeah. 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 The so that's, a, that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess with the vaccine, this actually makes sense about our chat before. I, with the vaccine, I guess I was hyperfixated on the vaccine. So then I want to tell everyone about it. I'll get hyperfixated. Like right now I'm hyperfixated on finding a new dog. So all I'll do the whole car right for the next few days is just look for a new dog or I'll like go on Facebook Marketplace and try to find the exact right thing or like with work like with F Boy Island I'll hyperfixate on like what the possible storylines could be and what I think Cassie even though I'm just the host but I'll become like obsessed with things so yeah it does help me do things I think pretty well and commit to things pretty well until 
the dopamine wears off and then I don't want to think about it ever again. That's interesting you should say because I often say that um, there's nothing wrong with being obsessed as long as you know how to control it. But obsession is quite a good thing in business I'm talking about. Mm. Um, and if you can somehow draw that that emotion, whatever whatever you call it, in, you can actually help you be more perfect. Mm. So more perfect in your business eventual, more whatever it is, the task that you mm. set at hand. So like in relation to your dog task, mm. um, if you sort of become hyper fixated on, in other words, that's the thing I've got to do properly and I'm going to mm. do it 100%, you'll end up perfecting it. Yeah, and I find the exact right thing. Yeah, at work I'll, I'll do things so like the podcast, I'll spend so much time thinking about it, being obsessed with it. But then, yeah, suddenly it will drop off, like literally. like Before you achieve it? Oh, uh, I'll get to a certain point and then I'll get the dopamine or the satisfaction and then I'll go, okay, bye. Do you get distracted by something else? Yeah, usually. I mean, for example, like if I get a massage without headphones in, I will think of like seven TV ideas and plan them all out or like an app idea or a podcast idea. And I've got like five TV treatments in my uh, TV pictures in my documents at the moment that are fully written out that I did after a massage that will never go anywhere because I become obsessed with it for a day or two. And once documents done, I go, okay, got that then. So do do, do, do you mind if I just ask you what sort of dog you are looking for? Yeah, cocker spaniel. Because I have one. What color? I'm brown currently. Like brown, as in the uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know the color. The current one. Head of brown. Yeah, yeah, and and, but why? Um, because he's a senior dog. He's like a two-time rehome rescue, and he needs a friend. I think. So did you? But are you specifically looking for a rescue, uh, a rehome? I'm trying to find another rescue. Yeah, but it's very difficult. So I might have to unfortunately buy a dog. But why? Why? What are the attributes of a cocker spaniel and a and a rescue dash rehome dog are appealing to you, attractive to you? What are the attributes? Well, cockers are very like needy. And they're very like floppy and they'll sleep on your chest. And they're, he runs a lot. Like he's the best of both worlds. He'll run for hours and hours and hours all day. We walked Coogee and back, you know, twice and he'll still have energy chasing birds. And we'll go home and he'll sleep like on my lap. He's like a cuddle bug, but also like a dog, you know, like he'll chase balls and he's amazing. So, and because he's a rescue, I think I kind of like nursing them and figure and helping them out a little bit. Cause I had a rescue before that, um, he was 12 and a half when I got him and he had cancer when I got him. So I was kind of like nursed him to his death. Is that, is that some sort of innate, um, um, I don't know, need or desire to uh, look after people? I think so, yeah. I think I, I think it's, yeah, I, put, I project a lot onto my dog, unfortunately. But I get like, yeah, maybe it's some sort of place to put my maternal instinct right now while I'm not going to have a kid. And my body's like, take care of this to its... But do, do, you, do you need to have a bloke to have a kid? I mean, are you one of those people who says, I know I need to have a guy to have a kid, like I want to settle down, husband, wife, all that sort of mm. stuff, or are you just happy to have a kid? I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about this yesterday on a walk, actually. I was thinking about, like, I probably would have a kid by myself, but I feel like that is almost a defence mechanism for me growing up without a dad and thinking, like, oh, I can I can do it alone. Like I don't fucking, I don't need that. I know that at all. Who cares? Like it's a hyper independence thing that I think actually isn't the most beneficial for me or my kid. Do you think so? Do you think is is it really necessary for the kid to have two parents? I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I turn out great. Look at me, but like <laughs> I, but I think that like yeah, you can. I had I have an amazing mum who like was just incredible. But I think that not having a a father figure just in like certain moments is like is like 
upsetting as an adult, you know. And I think you also miss out on a second grand, second set of grandparents. You miss out on or aunts and uncles. You miss out on like my whole family is thirteen people. My entire extended family, including marriages and everything. So like, so you miss out on a village. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And I've got an like um, like my uncles and my father figure. Like I've got an amazing family. It's just that, I mean, I probably would have a kid by myself, but I'm not sure that that's what I really want to do. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um you're you're, you're fairly vocal about you know, how strong females are mm. you know, and, you know, how independent females are, well, how females don't need to be dependent on men mm. as opposed to being independent. That's They're different things. Yeah. Um, and I would have thought perhaps that that process might be going through your head that, you know, I can do this on my own. I think I could. I think I could and I think but as a challenge, parents, yeah, it'd be, yeah, it adds something. It adds a challenge to parenting. I mean, you know, mum would push around a double stroller by herself, she was a teacher and a St. Bernard. It, like she, you know, my dad left her with two kids and a giant St. Bernard when I was like six months old. As in dog? Yeah, giant, yeah, a dog. Yeah, and, yeah. and she's a teacher on maternity leave still with me and she's left. And I think that while she did an amazing job, of course, like she shouldn't have had to do that. So I know, I think a lot of the time as well, not having a certain parent in the picture can also be a good thing. If you have a dickhead parent. Yeah, totally it's much better that out of the picture. Like I'm sure my dad not being the picture was more beneficial for me. If the dickhead's going to leave when I'm born, the dickhead's a dickhead. But I think that if I would feel like I won the lottery, if I found someone that I could be with, maybe not even marry, be with and have a kid and be really happy together or at least co-parent really well. Yeah, because, but, is, but, but, but Abby, isn't it about, um, you know, no, I'm trying to, try, because like I come from a huge family. Okay. And um, like, my dad's got five brothers, like massive oh, really? family, wow. yeah, massive cousins, uncles, aunties, and uh, and at the end of the day, it's really about whether or not you've got lots of people to be part of your village. In other mm. words, you can recreate these things, and your family's smaller, but you can recreate the village. I mean, you might live in Bangalore, and you might be part of a, a community up there, or you might mm. blah blah blah. Um, do you ever feel as though I mean, you're one of those people who says, "I can fucking do this. No one else has done this. Um, I reckon this is a challenge that I'm going to take on. I'm going to mm. change the way people think about this process mm. and make a deal." of it in other words prosecute it as yeah. a as a concept as a theory mm. as a thesis yes is that something that ever goes through your mind i can just sort of I'm, the only reason i ask is i can sort of see it going through your mind yes yeah i think i think it does i think that like yeah i, I think it, i think yeah I, I definitely have my views and if they aren't mainstream i want to convince people of them or convince yourself. And on myself, yeah. But I think that with the with the parenting thing, I was thinking, I was like, well, I could it gets into a bit dangerous territory dangerous territory with that because if I was thinking like, well, I can do this and I can show everyone that I can do it, I don't think a child is the right experiment to see if I can do Yeah, because you fuck it up. Oh fuck that kid up. Yeah, yeah. You know? And like while I would have a kid alone and like a single a single parents are so incredible. And most single parents that I know are fucking just as good if not better than people that have two parents because they often have like a dad that's I think so. abusive or, you know, like I, they end up more well-rounded. I just think I'd like to have the option <laughs> to have someone with me, you know? Yeah, so when, when does Abby Chaffield get to that position? Is this, is it a matter of having assets behind you or um, mm. having your career settled down or just having one stream that you're working with? Because at the moment, you know, you couldn't have a kid now. You're just no. doing too much shit. Yeah. Um, but what, 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 are the, what what's it look like structurally? <sighs> Yeah, I think that 
Yeah, I think that it's it's if I have yeah one stream of 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 income or one kind of thing that I'm doing, like whether that's just doing a TV show a year or just doing the podcast, where I have some sort of routine. Maybe it's about routine and have, and be able to fall plan because I don't even know what I'm doing next. You know, in six weeks so after I get back from my holiday, I have no idea what I'm really? doing. Really? Like I'll do the podcast, but I could have another show to film. I could have. I may not. I could have. I know F Boy Island's coming back, but. I don't know the dates of filming yet. I don't know. So I just am kind of in the ether waiting for someone to pull me out and go, okay, come here for four weeks of your life and not talk to anyone and work as hard as you can and then we'll speak back out again. I mean, I love it, but, you know. Um, Could you just explain to the audience, because a lot of people don't understand how this works, the the decision to run a show again is mm. based on a whole lot of stuff. Um, obviously ratings, one of mm. them, and also the advertising dollars they get out of it. But the process of actually rebooking you or saying, look, we want to do it again, mm. probably doesn't happen until December sometime or uh, like if they want to put you on a February, they'll ring in December. Can you just explain that process? Totally. What it's like? So I think everyone thinks it's like a, you, you know, a year, in, a year in advance and you should have everything planned and why. People often ask me like, why did you book so much at the same time? It's I didn't book at the same time. Mm. I was booked. I was forced. It was forced upon me. I agreed to these things. They happened to be one after the other without a day break in between. Um, so basically... Um, FBoy Island, it did well, but even the analytics of um, streaming is so different to normal TV. So you might have seen that, you know, Bachelor, you know, they get 300,000 viewers, which is, isn't great um, in theory. Uh, let's say if they get 300,000 viewers, you can kind of see how many people are watching, therefore it directly correlates to advertising money. But with streaming, it's more about who signs up and then immediately watches your show. So who is signing up for your show? So you could get the most views ever, but if all those people already have an account with that streaming service, you won't get renewed because it's like, well, they were already signed up for White Lotus already, yeah. so we'll keep White Lotus because that was the highest or whatever. But the show seemed to do well, and we kind of we knew it did well in terms of press and in terms of numbers, but we were just waiting for the green light. And then you get greenlit, and then it's kind of like, okay, well, next week can we have production meetings? Next week can we do wardrobe? Can we start talking about casting? Can we start talking about... Um, your vague availabilities. I mean, with Masked Singer, I was asked to do it a fortnight before we started filming the first time. So I was suddenly, like, I was at the Logies the next week for the promotion of the show and then I was on the show and obviously it was one of the last options, but I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, it's all, very, it's all very sudden, but this time we've got a bit more leeway. I think we'll be filming a bit later next year. So I think I've got, like, four or five months before we film. But because, I haven't got exact dates. Because generally speaking, it's hard to plan. It's like a little bit haphazard um, TV. Mm. Radio, less so, but uh, podcast, you're in control of that. But yeah. uh, you that you probably just fit that in around the other gigs. Mm. And uh, but, but TV is a weird one, but it's very good for your brand. So yeah. It's very – no matter how it rates, mm. it's very good for the Abby Chatfield brand. That's true. And it allows you opportunities to do other things. Yeah, and it also helps me help meet people and network with people yeah. that – if I have a TV idea, if I ever complete those pitches, um, I can call up someone and go, what do you think of this? Or I meet amazing writers or I meet people that want to do other projects or, um, you know, Australian TV industry is very small, as you would know. So it's good to, yeah, it's good to get involved with it. And I also really enjoy it. It's really silly. And the crew from FBoy Island are the, almost the exact same crew as my bachelor so I've known them all for for four years. Even my minder is now, and they've all had promotions and they're all like EPs now, but I've known them since they were like runners on set. So it's- What's a, a runner? 
okay, a runner is just like someone that does the shit jobs and they're always the happiest people on set because they're stoked to get a job in TV. But basically, like, they'll get me a coffee or they'll go and get zip ties or they'll go and get tape or they'll go and get some flowers. Or if someone on the show wants to get McDonald's, they'll go and get the McDonald's for a certain scene. So, yeah, people go from that and usually then, then they decide if they want to do camera or lighting or production or directing or whatever. But, yeah, it's like a little family of four hours, so it's actually really exciting to go back and do it. So uh, where where to from here? Like, forget about what's going to happen next year, but what's Abby mm. Chaffer got in mind? Like, you've done, you built a brand, you've got a lot of followers, you've got a big social media following. following. You sort of stand for, you are known for standing for lots of different things. Mm. You've been hauled around a bit. I mean, you know, it's been pretty uncomfortable for you from time to time. Mm. But do you ever think to yourself, well, what am I going to be doing in five years' time? Yeah, I do. I think that I want, I really want to just have my own either, like, I think I, my goal is to have a TV concept that I can be the EP of and the creator and not be in front of camera yep. or be in front of camera in a minimal in a minimal way. Cause, An EP being executive producer. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, uh, or I've got like TV show ideas. I, I want to write a TV show. I've got, I want to kind of be like behind the scenes doing all that sort of stuff where I have more control over what's happening. Maybe I'd host a reality format because it's so much fun, but I think I just want to have my own thing that I've created and it's, you know, I have control over it, but it's something that I know is a little bit groundbreaking or different and I can't quite figure out. Do you know anybody who's actually done that? They've gone from being, being the talent on the show, which is what you are at the mm. moment, to becoming the... EP, writer, or, or conceiver of the show. Mm. Maybe Andrew Denton or someone like that. Is yeah, I mean, uh, Andrew Denton. I mean, even Andy Cohen of Real Housewives yeah, of Beverly yeah. Hills. I mean, he's the EP of all of those yeah. and he hosts the reunions. Um, so someone like that. But, yeah, it is difficult, isn't it? Well, it's a big, it's, it, big it, jump. It, it's a big jump, yeah. It's, mm. and, and, and no doubt someone like you, you're only young too, someone like you could probably do it mm. because, you know, you're committed enough to it. But, like, the... But, but becoming the EP is totally different. The, the producer is totally different to being that talent. Totally. Well, this year with F Boy Island, for example, last year I was kind of involved, but I was so busy with radio that I didn't have time to um, really be as in it as I wanted to be. And now as well. You mean as a in, as a producer? Yes, producing. And, like, I was involved in conversations here and there, very top line, and I'd think of ideas for – I'd go, oh, I'd text the producers an idea that I had, and it, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen. We had a group chat. But this year I've said to them explicitly, I really want to be as involved as I possibly can be, go come to production meetings, be involved in how you guys cast so that I can start to learn from – from the ground up as though I'm like, as I'm a runner, like I can go in yeah, and yeah. understand what's going on because I think a huge thing as well is I just want to always be challenged and I get quite bored quite easily. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's an interesting process for you to sort of participate in, um, especially someone with a sort of, you've got a really like a property background and your, your mm. training is, um, well, your education and your academic training is not mm. around that. Mm. You're, and this is a, a, it's a pretty flip environment. Yeah. And it's a tough environment to be yeah. in. And your show can get cut any time. But do you feel as though that, um, especially if it doesn't rate, but do you feel as though it's a risky game? Because TV is a risky game overall. It is. But I, I'm very fortunate that I have the podcast that is very consistent income. It's consistent right. profile. I have amazing opportunities. So I think that I'm way more able to take those risks. And if a show flops, a show flops. Fuck, you know, no one's dying. Like, a show, a TV show didn't work out. Okay, cool. You can learn from that and figure out what will work or what won't work. And I think media is evolving so quickly as well with TikTok and 
people being having very small fascinations and interests and changing and things, you know, things are huge one week and they're gone the next week. That might suit your thinking. Yeah, it does. It does. So I'm, le- I'm trying to learn a lot and I have, I have you know, notes, apps of all these ideas or things, trends that I've noticed or things that I've noticed or scenes that I'd like to put into a TV show and I have all these, this chaotic mess in my phone of notes, of ideas that I'm hoping even over Christmas that I can sit down and I can kind of... Map it. Yeah, and figure out what I could do and kind of half-ass pitch it. I'm very fortunate as well being in front of camera talent that I can just probably... Like I can much, it's much easier for me to call up someone and go, can you make a TV show for me and figure it out? Like it's, I'm very fortunate in that way that I can just have an idea and go, well, that could actually happen. But I, I did a pilot for Channel 10 last year and it did well numbers wise, didn't get picked up. And I was just like, okay, cool. That doesn't really, doesn't really affect my brain. I was like, well, okay, I watched it a few times and was like, I could do this differently. And that was kind of it. Do you know what I really want to ask you? Sure, go for it. I really want to know, if you don't mind telling me, yeah. um, who are you? Like, who, what, who's sitting in front of me at the moment? Like, I mean, because mm. so far I've been pretty easy on you. Um, you know, like it's chat, it's cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're sort of saying stuff that everybody already knows about. Um, but who is Abby Chatfield really, like deep down? I know, I think... People think that I'm some like tough, heartless bitch, or like I'm silly all the time. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply insecure. Like d- deeply insecure. It's m- most of my therapy. Um, I often have very tumultuous and borderline or fully abusive relationships that I'm in. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a sucker in a, in a lot of ways. And I'm a bit. I think I'm a bit naive, and I, I kind of. I know. I've I've a lot of self a lot of like self hatred and criticism a lot that I think people don't really see. Are you a fighter? Are you a fighter? Yeah, I think so. I grew up without it, you know, in a pretty tough environment, um, in a few different ways, uh, that I can't really talk about. But um yeah, I think seeing my mum go through so much has just made me uh simultaneously tougher but also really, really scared of the world. Like t- I'm terrified of people. I'm so scared of people. I don't really get close with a lot of people. Um, That's what struck me. That's why I asked you the question because mm. I feel as though you're playing me uh, and I don't mean it a bad way. Yeah. But you'd probably do it to everybody. You can talk fast. You can dominate the conversation. You own the narrative. You're really good verbally, um, which means that you can – take the conversation wherever you want it. You can distract people away from what it is you're trying to protect. I, that's my feeling. Mm. You're trying to st- stop me from finding yourself, Billy. And this show is called Straight Talk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I like to try to find the soft belly. I, mean, I don't mean yeah. a bad way. No. I, just I just totally, in an honesty I, way. No, I totally agree. And I think that it's it's um, subconscious or, almost or completely maybe. You no, know. You've been doing it for so long. You're so mm. good at it. You're good at it. Yeah. Um, and I've always... Yeah, I, I have I have a hard time getting really close with people. But when I do, it's like, you know, best friends forever. But I just, yeah, I, I struggle to trust people or that they're, I don't know, I, I struggle to trust that people actually like me or that they actually have a fun time with me or that, um 
yeah, I'm just like hanging on to like even before like this job, I always have felt like a little bit on like the outskirts a little bit, but I can't pinpoint why. Do you, do you have many many close friends? Yeah, I've got like boys and girls. Yeah, yeah, and the mainly because um, I'm queer, they're mainly queer um, people. But I've got like I've got really good friends, and I'm going away with my girlfriends from Brisbane this weekend. Um, my friends of like ten years. Um, like school friends. Yeah, uh, hospo friends. Uh, yeah, used to yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, but they, yeah, I, I, I do. I don't know. I have, I have this defense mechanism of just like telling stories rather than talking about how I feel. I can see it. Yeah, my friends. Um, yeah, I, I like. I think I cried in front of my my friend the other week, and. Uh, in my head, I was like, I must have cried in front of you a million times. Like, my best friend. She's like, I've never seen you like this. I was like, that's so weird because I'm like this twice a week. Like that, I in my head, I was like, no, you've seen me. You've seen me like this. Like I've never seen you like this. You must be so upset about this. And I was like, oh no, you just caught me at like a vulnerable moment. But I'm working on in therapy. I think as well, I cover up a lot of my like anxieties or insecurities with, um, getting external validation through like sex and dating people. And most of the time, like, it's it's uh, genuine. Like, I'm not saying every time I have sex it's, like, a form of self-harm. But I think sometimes if I'm feeling really anxious or really, like, upset about something, um, and it's why I have these on and off relationships because we'll break up and then I'll be like, I can't, oh, I can't, I can't handle this. I'm just going to go back and have sex with you because I just want to, like, be back in, like, validation world, you know? You're a... Pretty unusual person. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Um, uh, because as I said, I, I you, you're, you're building curiosity in in me in terms of whoever he is inside a head. Yeah, I, I find it quite um, interesting how your instincts and you're nearly not even looking at me. You're, but you're watching. You know when I'm engaged in your conversation and when when I'm starting to drop off what you're saying, and mm. it's a way of controlling the narrative. With me all the time, yeah, and uh, I find it, like it's pretty, pretty, quite interesting, like uh, uh, a bit bewildering because I'm, then I'm thinking, well, hang on, what the fuck? I'm doing the interview here. I, it's nearly like <laughs> sorry, I'm used to being. No, but it's nearly like you're interviewing me, but not by in, asking me questions. It's interviewing me by giving me answers. You're controlling the whole narrative, and you've obviously done this your whole life, and you're pretty, pretty good. At it. You're obviously a bright person, but uh, quite polished at it. And it's and I wonder, I just that's why I asked you the question. I keep wondering as if you're trying to protect something or keep me away from somewhere. I don't know if I not even consciously ask my therapist and see what she reckons because that's a good question. I I I don't think it's conscious. No, it might be unconsciously. Yeah, I think that I've always, like I said before, like when I have fights with partners, I, I just will shut off and be like, I don't care about this. This doesn't actually matter to me. Like I'll, I'm very avoidant in a lot of ways. Avoidant, but in that um, you say I I have no feelings. Yeah, doesn't matter. I'll just stand there and then I'll go home and I'll cry by myself or I'll like be upset about a. Um, Fight. And it'll cause a lot of fights. So I guess before when you were asking about what I'm like in a relationship, people imagine me being this like fiery, like I would just shut the fuck up and just be so scared of someone leaving me, like so scared. And just, That might be scary to them because they might think you're completely nuts. devoid of any feelings. Yeah, but it's like I dissociate completely and it's like I'm not there and I like zone out and then I'll come back when I have calm words to say because I refuse to acknowledge my anger. That's why I'm working on that. And would you say to people who suffer from ADHD or anything for that matter, mental mm. health, do you think it's important that you get therapy? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can afford it, it's so and it's so hard to find a psychiatrist and a, and a psychologist. But I mean, is it cognitive therapy you're going through, like uh, just sort of knowing what your condition is? Yeah, yeah, it's hard though because I've I think that I'm I mean I'm pretty intelligent. So I and I've kind of been dealing with this stuff for a long time that I know what I have. And I, like I can say to you, I acknowledge that I stand there and I dissociate. And I'm completely self-aware, or almost self-aware. Obviously, no one's completely self-aware. But I know what I do and why I do it. Like I'm like, I know that I don't show my emotions during fights because I don't feel like anyone's listening or I feel like they're going to leave me because of my dad left when I was born. Like I can trace it back, yeah, you yeah. know? But it's very difficult to change the behaviour aligned with that. So... Do you want to change? Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to change. I'd love to have like a genuine relationship that that was actually deep, that wasn't riddled with abuse and and mind games and and bullshit. But I feel like I'm getting more and more to a point where I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think you attract those sort of people though, or to mm. you're attracted to those sort of people? Yeah. Bad boy. It's not even bad boys. It's just. It's like. I just. Who am I even attracted to? So they're all very different. They're all very different. I feel I feel like it's more, it isn't even like a bad boy. It's like they're emotionally unavailable. So I, I can't get close to them anyway. So it, it's a self-protection. I have a lot of long distance relationships. So there's not that like As distance. in terms of physical distance? Mm. Like yeah. Like overseas or something like overseas, that. Overseas, yeah. Melbourne, Brisbane, yeah, yeah. you know, Byron, um, that I can only see when I make allocated time for it. And it's like a weird control thing where I'm like, I, and I don't, my friends never meet anyone that I'm dating anymore. Never. I, my fa- I don't let my, any, I don't like worlds over, overlap. Like, uh, I, I don't know what next to ask you. Like, it's because my brain's sort of flipping around the joint. Like, I can uh, keep talking. <laughs> no, no, but no, but over time. Don't like, worry. <laughs> no, no, because I, because, you know, there is a presumption that people like you um, in the media and making money out of the media and making money out of the entertainment industry, um, you've got to cop it sweet. Cop it. Yeah, I, I what think about that that's, presumption. I think I think that okay. So people that have a nine to five, like why a nine to five? No one gave a shit if I complained about my dickhead boss or if I complained about the coffee machine being broken in the fucking kitchen. You know, bullshit things that like I know this is just part of working in an office, but I'm also allowed to complain about it. I just feel like it's part of my job that I have a right to complain about and not like, but it isn't. People say, well, if you don't like it, then you should get out of the public eye and quit your job. It's like, well, I'm allowed to have some sort of venting of people saying that I'm a, like slut shaming me on the biggest radio show in the country. I think that I have a right to complain about it, but what I've, my friends, my good friends and people that I've dated and my therapist, it's like, you can complain about it, but if you let it consume you, then it's being a little bit like self-indulgent. Yeah. And a little bit like, fuck over it, a little bit. So I allow myself a little bit of time. That's what I do. I allow myself time to be upset about it. And then when I see my friend, I'll vent for like 10 minutes and then it'll be like, whatever. I get it. That I understand what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. But like in terms of the expectation or the assumption that everybody has enough time and intellect to think about what it is you're trying to say. Mm, that's um, true. And, and it could be just a waste of fucking time and energy. Probably it's a waste of fucking time, but... When I post about these things, I often, the biggest thing is I get people messaging me saying, I felt like this for so long, but I couldn't vocalise why this was wrong. But they're your cheerleaders. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good point. But that means there are more people that can combat if they hear this 
at work, or if they hear this at school, or whatever age they are, whatever's going on at, at a family dinner, I get it. They then have the language through me to go out there and spread the good word. You know? Yeah, no, no, I get it. I get, you it, I get it. Yeah, you so wound them up. Yeah, yeah, and I give them like straightforward because I think that a lot of feminist theory, particularly and such shaming, it kind of either. Now there's more podcasts about it, which is amazing, but a lot of it comes packaged in this very complex idea about patriarchal history. And about, I think that if you just say, well, why does it matter if I'm fucking people? It kind of simplifies it in a way that wouldn't be, it's digestible more so, but now there's more people saying this stuff. No, no, I, I like that. That's a great explanation. No, no, I get it. I get it. hundred percent. Yeah. I like it. I like the explanation. It's perfect. Yeah. And uh, um, I think that um, there aren't many people who are, who would be prepared to put some add, add some gas to those sort of situations, most people pull back. Mm. And, you know, your PR advisor would say, "If you have one, I don't know if you have one, but no, I don't have it, one. It'd be impossible to be your PR advisor." <laughs> I go shut the fuck up and yeah. hang up on them. But it'd be your PR advisor to say, "No, let it lie. Don't say anything. Don't yeah. fight back. Yeah, and don't use your own your own um, platforms to say anything." Most mm. people would say that. Yeah, and uh, and that's an unfortunate problem with our media because a lot of our media, mainstream media, think that they can say those things because you're going to get advice to say nothing, mm-hmm. and or as well as that, you're going to be advised. Not to sue them. Don't go for defamation, etc. Mm-hmm. Because you might you might win, but it's going to cost you a whole lot of money, and then yeah, you know, blah blah blah. They're going to come after you for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. And uh, it's interesting that someone like you do that. Yeah, I think that I just you don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't give a shit, and I think as well because I um like this isn't this has been my world for four years. So even if I said something that was completely wrong, a I could learn from it and change on my idea. But like, say if it ended my career. Silver degree in property, like my life, like I'm trying more so to have my worth based on my work. So I still have amazing friends. I still have a like a degree. I can still go back to work. I can still survive. Like I think that it's not as high stakes as it may seem, even though it's very important to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sort of like, well, if I'm going to completely lose my career for standing up for something that I actually believe in, a, it's unlikely that I'll have everyone disagree with me if it's something that I really believe in and I've thought about a lot. Um, but but if it has happened, like then then so be it. I shouldn't I shouldn't be in media. So you're not doing this for popularity then? I don't think so. No. Yeah, it's a but pro- you've made me think differently. You've really <laughs> it's like a therapy session. What's going on here? Perfect. Yeah, Jesus Christ! I was straight talk. No, I I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I'm doing popularity. No, I think it's nice when people like you. And it's nice when you get emboldened with your ideas and it's nice when you have people that agree with you. But I don't think I'm doing it for popularity. Maybe it's not popularity. Maybe it's more for validation of my thoughts, which I think is slightly different. No, that's that's not only slightly different. It's extraordinarily more important. Mm. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna close off now because I've just noticed your phone has gone for about a thousand times. Yeah, and in, my in the true gone. spirit of Abby Chatfield, you keep looking at it all the time. I'm ADHD. I didn't have a no, That's okay. It's okay. Thanks very much. Right. I've only got 24 notifications. Thanks for thanks for your honesty. That was awesome. I Thank really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It. That was a great chat.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.